You are listening to audio from The Table Community Church. For more information, please visit us at thetablecc.com. Good morning again. Why don't you guys have a seat once again? It's good to see everyone uh, this morning. I know we've got some guests as I look around the room. So if you are a guest with us, thanks so much for being here. Uh, You know, I I can only imagine what it's like walking into a new church for the very first time, not really sure what to expect and all of that. And so thanks for coming and giving us a chance. And we would absolutely love uh, to connect with you. And the easiest way to do that is to text the word welcome to 817-755-1668. We're not going to do anything weird. Um, We're not going to show up at your house or anything like that. You'll just um, get an email and a text message later this week. And, And really, if you have questions about anything that Um, we've done today or you're going to hear today, um, feel free to grab us after the service. We absolutely want um, to be able to to connect with you and and answer any questions that you have. And I would love the opportunity to introduce myself if I didn't get a chance to meet you on on the way in. I didn't introduce myself earlier, but my name is Bill, and it's my privilege to serve as the lead pastor here at the table. Appreciate Connor and Miranda for leading us in worship today. I do not appreciate the fact that they did not move the furniture for me. So, Connor... This might be it for you, buddy. No, I'm just kidding. I like Connor. He's a good guy. But he'll probably remember to move my furniture for me next time, so that's good. <laughs> do I need to do anything else while I'm up here? I don't think so. Let me pray. We'll jump into the message. Father, thanks for uh, the privilege of worship and knowing you. Thanks for all that you've done for us. And God, what a celebration it is to see a life changed as a result of their understanding of the truth about Jesus, who willingly left the glories of heaven to lay down his life for us, so that by faith in, in Jesus, we could come into a relationship with you that changes everything about us and lasts forever. And Father, as we spend a few minutes in your word today, um, I, I, I pray that you would speak to us. God, open our eyes to things in our lives that need to change so that we can be the people that you have called us to be. Um, So, Father, bless us, continue to bless us with your presence, teach us through the work of your Holy Spirit within us um, today, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. Amen. Today's message is in a series that we have called Courageous Conversations, Um, and and so if you haven't been with us this year, in between our larger series, we're kind of doing these one-off messages called Courageous Conversations, and we describe ourselves as a church as being courageous, and part of that uh, part of what that means is that we're not afraid to talk about hard things. And I don't necessarily know that today what we're talking about is a hard thing. And sometimes it's maybe hot button issues that we talk about in these uh, messages and stuff. And I don't know if it is that, but it's certainly interesting that we're going to talk about this on the day that we are going to talk about it. Because today what we're going to talk about is freedom and what it means to be free. Right, so today, it's July 4th, I mean, I'm going to state the obvious for just a second, the, the day that we celebrate our freedom as a nation and our freedom as Americans. And I don't know if you went and saw fireworks last night or if you're planning to do that tonight, uh, but if you are in a place where you can hear the soundtrack to the fireworks show, inevitably, one of the songs that you are going to hear is Lee Greenwood's God Bless the USA, right? I mean, it's it's July 4th. We play this song all of the time. And and in it, you know, he says, I'm proud to be an American where at least I know I'm free. 
And I want you to know, I am so thankful that I am from America, live in America, and enjoy the freedoms that we have here in our country. But have you ever thought about like, what it means to be free, how you would define that? I think that the lyric in that song is actually kind of interesting, like where at least I know I'm free. Right? It's kind of an interesting way to say that. But what does it mean to actually be free? I would submit that many people believe that to be free means that I can go where I want to go, say what I want to say, and do what I want to do, and nobody can stop me, or at least with very limited government interference. I don't know that that's a great way to define what it means to be free in America, but I'm not going to tackle that subject today. Because it would be one thing if that was all it was, but I think that that idea of what it means to be free, I can just do whatever I want and nobody can stop me, I think it influences other areas of life, other aspects of life, and actually influences our faith. See, as Christians, the Bible says that we are set free. In fact, there's the famous verse, we're going to look at it here in just a second, if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. And so because of Maybe how many people would describe freedom as an American, we let that definition bleed into what it means to be a Christian, and that means that I can say what I want to say and do what I want to do, and it doesn't matter. But I look at that and say, man, that can't be what it means to be free as a Christian. So that's what we're going to talk about today. What does it actually mean to be free? And so if you've got your Bible, we're going to look at John chapter 8 verses 30 through 36 this morning, John 8, 30 through 36. So if you've got a Bible, you can turn there. Um, if you don't have a Bible in front of you, it's going to be on the screen as I read it here in just a second. Or if you are a version Bible app user, um, you can find your way to our live event and follow along there. The scripture is there. Our notes are there. Um, there's a section for questions and reflection there. Our digital bulletin is there. So there's lots of helpful resources there in our live event but this is a, an account of Jesus, uh, Jesus interacting with some Jewish people. And so I want to read this section, um, and then we'll continue in the message this morning. It says this in John chapter 8, starting in verse 30. As he was saying these things, many believed in him, and he is, of course, Jesus. So verse 31, then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, you really are my disciples, if you, and you will know the truth And the truth will set you free. We're descendants of Abraham, they answered him. And we have never been enslaved to anyone. How can you say you will become free? And Jesus responded, truly, I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. A slave does not remain in a household forever, but a son does remain forever. So if the son sets you free, you will really be free. What I want to do as we begin this morning is to just kind of break down what we read in this passage first, and then I'll talk about some of the implications for us. And part of the reason for that is that I think there's some things that are potentially confusing in that section. Because on the one hand, we read to these Jews who believed in Jesus, and we read the words of Jesus that don't necessarily seem really encouraging. They seem a little bit more confrontative. And so it's like, well, why is that? And then some of the things that the Jewish people say seem a little bit confusing. Like, what are they talking about? So that's what I want to do first is just kind of break it down so that we understand what's happening. And then again, we'll talk about some of those implications. So the first thing that we see is that many Jews came to believe in Jesus. And then it says, to the Jews who believed in him. And now I want you to know, when it says that, 
I'm not sure how genuine their faith really is. Here's what I think is happening. They had heard Jesus teach. So they heard the things that he said. They had probably experienced his miracles or certainly at least heard the stories of his miracles. And they thought as he taught that day, man, that guy is a great prophet. I'll believe in him. Like, I'll believe in that but they didn't really understand the far-reaching implications of their faith, which is clearly what Jesus is trying to drive them towards. And so to the Jews who believed in him, he says, if you continue in my word or if you become obedient to me, then you are my disciples. You will prove to be my disciples. If you become obedient to all of my teaching, you will be proven to be my disciples. And he says the famous line, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Now, when you hear that, you will be free indeed. Here's what I want you to think. Here's what I want you to read when you read that phrase. God is going to really change your life. So if the sun sets you free, then God is going to really change your life. I'll come back to that. I'll explain why that's the case. So he says, if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. And their response, I think, is really interesting. They say, well, wait a minute. How can you say that you're going to set us free? We're children of Abraham. We've never been enslaved to anyone. Now, that's a really strange statement when you know anything about the history of Israel and the history of Jewish people. They say we haven't been slaves to anyone when in reality they had basically been slaves to everyone. Right? They had been slaves in Egypt. They experienced a period of freedom And then they became slaves to Babylon, and then Persia, and then Greece. And even at the time that Jesus is teaching these people, in some sense, you could argue that they were enslaved to Rome. So either they're greatly misinformed about their own history, or they're delusional, or they're talking about something else. And I think what they're doing is talking about something else. What they're talking about is their spiritual position, see? They understood that they were Jewish people. And so when they're saying, hey, we've never been slaves to anyone, what they're saying is, hey, we know we're better than everybody else. So we don't really need to be changed. Maybe just a slight adjustment here or there. And what they were saying was, hey, how do we just add Jesus to what we're already doing because we're already good? And that's when Jesus says, no, you don't understand. Whoever sins is a slave to sin, and you have to be set free. But they didn't understand that. And so as I really begin to understand what's happening in the dynamics of this interaction between these Jewish people who were saying that they believed in Jesus and this conversation, I can't help but think about us. I can't help but think about me, because what I think is really important is that we take what Jesus is saying and apply it to our lives, because it does radically impact the way that we live. So we have to understand that we have to be set free, and it is Jesus who sets us free. And when we read that we have been set free, here's what I want, want you to understand. It's not free to do whatever I want or say whatever I want, because it doesn't matter, What Jesus has done is set us free to be who God has made us to be. 
So freedom from our sin, it's not just freedom from the penalty of sin or the punishment of sin, but it's also setting us free from sin so that progressively we can be more like God, how we have been created to be. But so often what happens is with so many people is we get stuck thinking, well, it's all about what happens to me when I die. So I don't know if you've ever thought this. Probably we all have. We may just not want to admit it. How many times have you thought to yourself, well, it doesn't matter what I do as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else. Because even if it's wrong, in the end, I'll just ask for forgiveness and it's not going to be a big deal. I will escape punishment. I'm not going to name any names this morning, but there is someone who lives in our house that thinks that's the way life should be. When she gets in trouble, <laughs> it's not, Craig, it's not my wife. But when she gets in trouble and we're ready to dole out the punishment for what she's done, she says, but I'm sorry. And then when we give her that punishment, she doesn't understand why, because she said, I'm sorry, so she should escape punishment. And so often, that's how we see faith. We get stuck thinking, well, I've been set free. It doesn't matter what I do, because it's all about what happens when I die. But that's not what faith is all about. It's not just about getting to heaven when we die. Our salvation coming into that relationship with God is far more than just what happens when we die. But so often we view our salvation as like we get this get out of jail free card. We put it in our wallet. We carry it around with us. And then when we need it, we get it out and show it to whoever's at the gates of heaven so that we can get in. But our salvation and what Jesus has done for us is far more than just freedom from the punishment that we deserve as a result of our sin. It's so much more than that. But part of the reason that we get stuck thinking that is that it's often, salvation is often presented in that way. I've done it. I've heard it for years, my entire life. The gospel, the good news about Jesus is presented in this way. If you were to die tonight, do you know for sure that you'd be going to heaven? Or if you were to die tonight, do you know where you would spend eternity? And it's not that that presentation is wrong. I would say it's just not complete. Because it's not just coming to faith in Jesus is not just about what happens when you die. Because we have been set free from not just the punishment for our sin, which gets us into heaven, but also the presence of sin progressively in our lives. In other words, what Jesus has done is set us free so that we can be who God has created us to be. And that starts here, and that starts now. Now, to understand what I mean by that, being set free to be who God has created us to be, we've got to go all the way back to the beginning in the book of Genesis. Genesis 1, 26 and 27, it's there that we read about the creation of man, and it's there that God says, let us make man in our image. And so God created mankind in his image and likeness, created them male and female, he created them. And so what, it's there in Genesis 1, 26 and 27 that we understand that we have been made in the image of God, created in the image of God. There are two words in those two verses that are really important, it's image and likeness. And those two words together help us to understand that there is a sense in which we are God's work of art. 
Because the words image and likeness, it's the, it's the development of this picture. It's an artist looking at the real thing and then painting a picture of that thing. And we are that picture. That in some way we are representing or a representative of who God is. And so to be made in the image of God, it's not just something about us, it's not part of us, but all that we are is to be a reflection of all that God is. So then as we live our lives in this world, as we interact in our culture, as we interact with other people, what they ought to be seeing in us is the character of God lived out in our lives. That's why it's so important to know God. We will never be like God if we don't know what God is actually like. And this is where people get confused because there are all kinds of misconceptions about what God is actually like. Sometimes you may hear something like this, man, like I like the God of the New Testament, the the God of love and of grace, but the Old Testament one who in the words of Bruce Almighty is the the mighty smiter, right? Like I don't like that guy. He's the one that's just... Up in heaven, the old man upstairs just waiting for people to mess up so that he can punish them. Like, I don't like that one, but I like the new guy. But do you know how God was known even in the Old Testament? Gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in love. Sometimes in in our service, we sing the song, Good Father, that God is a good father. And that's the character that we are to be reflecting. And so I would just ask you to think about this. As you live your life in relationship with other people, how do they know you? Do they know you as being slow to anger and abounding in love? As you interact with other people, do they know you at your core as being good? Because Jesus has set us free so that we can be who God has created us to be. Now, you got to understand, though, why we have to be set free. This, we don't just naturally do this anymore. And to understand that, again, we've got to go all the way back to the beginning in the garden. Because it was there in the Garden of Eden that God created Adam and Eve. They were made in the image of God, and so they were able to reflect who God is in all that they were doing. We don't know how long they existed in that garden paradise, But as we read it in Genesis chapter 3, the serpent showed up and tempted Adam and Eve. And what, just to kind of make a long story short, what happened is that they bought into the lies of the serpent where they felt like they could do life on their own better than they could in following under God's leadership. And so they ate the forbidden fruit and then sin entered the world. When sin entered the world, Adam and Eve, the image of God in Adam and Eve, it wasn't lost completely but it was marred. It became broken. And so all of us, as a result of the sin of Adam, as Romans talks about it, and because we are sinners, when we are born, we are born still made in the image of God, but just not quite the way it was meant to be. It's broken. It's kind of like looking at yourself in a cracked mirror or a mirror in the restroom of a park. Our weekends are spent, most of our weekends at this time of year especially, are spent in parks, at ball fields and at soccer fields and things like that. And so I don't know when the last time was you used a restroom in a park. Most parks, they have mirrors above the sinks in the bathroom, but you can't hardly see a thing in that mirror. 
It is foggy. It's scratched up. I mean, you look at it and you recognize that you are seeing yourself, but the image is not clear. And that's what it's like. You would never use that mirror to get ready in the morning because you would look foolish all day, hair all over the place, right? But that's what has happened as a result of sin. And so we have to be set free. Because on our own, we can't be an accurate reflection of who God is in all that we do. And so Jesus came to right the wrongs so that we could be set free to become who God has created us to be. And so as we come to faith in Jesus, he begins to do a work in us, transforming our hearts so that progressively throughout our lives, we become a better reflection of who God is in all that we do. And I want you to understand why this is so beneficial for all of us. I don't know if you've ever had this experience before where you did something and you were like, man, like this is what I was created to do. It's something that you, you did and you found it easy. Uh, there was uh, just joy in it. It was so natural to you. And that's what it is to do what we've been created to do. And so because of the work of Jesus, this thing that's unnatural for us can become more natural to us so that we live out the character of God. And that is what we were created to do. So that's the first thing. It's really important to understand that we have been set free. When we think about freedom, it's not just freedom to do whatever I want because it doesn't matter. I've got this get-out-of-jail-free card, but it's freedom to be who God has created us to be. Now, you might be thinking, though, well, why, why don't people just naturally do this? Why do we still see issues and problems? If Jesus was saying, hey, your life needs to be really changed, why don't we really see those changes? Part of the reason for that is that I think our experience sometimes limits the amount of change that we think we need. Go back to the text. Right, so Jesus says, if you continue in my word, you'll really be my disciples. You'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Paraphrase, you will be really changed. And then the Jewish people say, but we're descendants of Abraham. We've never been slave to anyone. How can you say you will become free? And Jesus said, I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. See, it was the experience of these Jewish people that caused them to miss how much change they thought they needed. Because here's the thing. They were God's chosen people, and they knew that. So they knew they had a leg up on everyone else. They had the law, the Old Testament law, to teach them how to live. And even if they didn't get it right all the time, they had the sacrificial system to fall back on. That was kind of their get-out-of-jail-free card. So as long as they mostly did the right things most of the time and practiced the right rituals at the right time, then they felt like they were good. Now, it wasn't like everything was perfect, but maybe just a slight adjustment, like I'll just add Jesus to what I'm already doing, and that's good enough. But it was their experience as God's chosen people that caused them to miss how significant the amount of change was that they actually needed. And I think the exact same thing can happen to us. Where we miss the significant change that God wants to bring about in our lives. Just think about it. July 4th celebrating our freedom as Americans. And just the fact that we live here in America at the time that we do, regardless of what your actual income is, we all are 
in the top 1% of the wealthiest people who have ever lived on this planet. And probably for most of us, maybe we wouldn't admit it, but I think it's probably true, most of us, we've bought into the American dream, and so one of the highest goals in our life is to just be comfortable. Probably for most of us, that is what we are pursuing, a comfortable life. That doesn't mean we've got it all together. We would recognize there are issues, there are things that we would like to change, adjustments that we would like to make, but when it comes down to it, If we're pursuing that comfort, probably a lot of us are actually living it out. And so we're saying, hey, I'm not really sure how much change I really want to experience. And again, I think this is why we just default back to, well, being set free means I get to go to heaven when I die. Because I'm far more interested in that than actually changing how I live. But Jesus came to turn the world upside down. And I think this is where it begins to be really, really challenging for us who are here living out the American dream. And I'm not saying that we have to radically do something different, but there's a lot of tension in this. We've got to ask ourselves regularly, is my experience limiting the amount of change that I think I need? Am I doing exactly what God wants me to do? Because again, Jesus came to turn the world upside down. Jesus said, all the law and the prophets hang on two things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. You ever thought about why he basically summarized everything that we're supposed to do in two things? I would submit it's not because it's really easy to do. Like you just wake up and are like, okay, check those boxes today. I love God and love my neighbor. I'm good to go. I would say it is because he wanted to make it simple while recognizing it's really, really hard. See, the truth is we don't naturally love God. To love God is really to be obedient to God. It's to submit ourselves completely to his will. And just like Adam and Eve, we would much rather naturally do life our own way than follow God's way in our life. It's really hard for us because we are naturally selfish people. It's hard for us to put the needs of others first and love others. We don't naturally do that. That's why we are in desperate need of the work of Jesus in our lives. That's why we have to be set free. We are slaves to sin apart from Jesus, but when we trust Jesus, he sets us free and radically brings about change in our lives. That's why we need the work of Jesus. It's interesting as we continue in the passage, Jesus says, whoever, this is verse 34, truly I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. A slave does not remain in the household forever, but a son does remain forever. And so he's talking about himself in that section. And he says in verse 36, so if the son sets you free, you will really be free. So we recognize that the only one who can bring about true freedom is Jesus, and so our whole goal now is to pursue him. It's to pursue Jesus, and as we pursue Jesus, then we can become who God has created us to be, living out the image of God in us, being an accurate reflection of all that he is and all that we do. But I don't know, you might be thinking, what does that actually look like, practically speaking? What does it actually look like to live out the image of God? I would say it looks a lot like Jesus. 
Because Hebrews 1.3 tells us that Jesus is the express image of God. So it's Jesus who came to earth, lived as God in the flesh, fully expressing what it means to live out the image of God. And so therefore, he's the model for us to follow. If we want to figure out how to live life in this world, we look at Jesus. And that's why this year we have been studying through Luke's gospel. We're reading through the New Testament so that we can look at Jesus as a model for how we are supposed to live. How did Jesus live? What did he do? I mean, he had compassion on people. He ministered to people. He was willing to put others first in everything. He laid down his life for us so that we could know him. He, he saw the people in the margins and the overlooked, and, and he ministered to them, and he welcomed everyone close. So if we want to understand what it means to live out the image of God today, we look at Jesus and say, how would Jesus live if he were here? Because that's what it means. See, freedom is not free to do whatever we want because it doesn't matter. Our freedom, we have been set free to be who God has created us to be. And the only way that we can be set free is through our faith in Jesus. And so as we look at how to live, we pursue him in everything. And that's what it means to be free. And so as we gather together later today to do all the things that we're going to do, hamburgers and hot dogs and all of the other stuff, I want you to remember It's not freedom to do whatever we want, but it is free to be who God has created us to be. That's what it means to be free. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that you sent your one and only son, Jesus, to lay down his life for us so that by faith in him, we could be set free. Yes, set free from the punishment for our sin so that we are able to spend eternity with you in heaven But God, far more than that, we've been set free from the power of sin in our lives so that we can be who you've created us to be. And Father, I pray that as you are at work in our hearts and lives, that you would allow us to be more like Jesus in this world, to extend love and compassion and mercy to those that so desperately need it. May we be known, Father, as your children, as people who reflect your character in all that we do. God, for us to do that, we need you every day. So, Father, as we prepare to leave this morning and we go back to work or to our neighborhoods and the things that we do, Father, I pray that people, when they look at us, they would see you. And maybe, God, then you would open doors and allow us to share the hope that we have because of Jesus who has set us free so that we could spend eternity with you and have our lives radically changed. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray.